Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Well, we are in week six of our series entitled Nehemiah, Rebuilding Broken Dreams. We're actually studying the book of Nehemiah written by Nehemiah. It's like reading his memoirs. And what's so interesting about this book, like all the other books of the Bible, is that it's both a human book and a divine book. It's a human book because it was written by humans using uh, human language. It's not like some golden tablets that were sent down uh, from heaven. God directed humans to write uh, these books. And, and, but it's also a divine book because every word that is on this page is there because God wanted it to be there. And that's why the Bible is so different than any other book you'll ever read in your life. Uh, Today, I'm going to be wrapping up my part of this series. Next week, Pastor James is going to be dealing with chapter 9. And I'm really looking forward to what he has has to say. I, I know he has a lot of insights from that specific chapter. So I hope you'll join us next week when Pastor James is back here. Now, last week, I had big dreams. I know some of you laughed at me. I said we were going to do chapters 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. But I realized I was living in a dream world, and now it's reality. So if you have your Bibles or some kind of electronic device, I'm going to encourage you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah uh, chapter 6. And and as you're turning there, for those who maybe just joined us for the very first time, let me give you just a 90-second review. You may say, who is Nehemiah? Well, he's not a pastor. He's not a king. He's not a priest. He's not a prophet. He's not a contractor. He's a cup. Bear. He's an ordinary guy with a decent job and a steady income. And one day his brother comes back from vacation. He's been in Jerusalem visiting some friends. And Nehemiah simply says, hey, how was the trip? How are the people? What's the city like? And the report is not good. His brother tells him, actually, the city, it's a mess. I mean, there are broken lives. Uh, their hearts are broken. Dreams are broken. They're living in despair. And and, and <laughs> And it can be found everywhere, not just small pockets of despair. I mean, it can be found in every corner of the city. And the city itself, he says, is a complete wreck. I mean, the walls have fallen down. The gates have been burned. Jerusalem has just become a place where people exist. No dreams for a better day. And then all of a sudden, Nehemiah has this burning passion inside of him. I want, to, I want to do something about that. I can't stand to see my people living that way. And God has them step out in faith to do something that seems so out of the ordinary, extraordinary, uh, actually. And, and so he goes to his boss, and he asks for some time off. And, and surprisingly, his boss says, yeah, take as much time as you need. What's even more surprising is his boss tells him, I'll actually pay for the renovations when you go back. And in the study of Nehemiah, we've also observed how the enemy came along to try to stop Nehemiah from rebuilding the city of God. You know, some of the attacks are coming from outside the walls, you know, through ridicule and fear and discouragement, while other problems are rising from within inside the walls, division, anger, betrayal. And in chapter 6, we're going to find out that the enemy pulls out all, <laughs> pulls out all the stops and launches one attack after another. They're painful, they're heart-wrenching, they're discouraging. In fact, this may be the loneliest and most fearful moments that Nehemiah will encounter. So just before we read that passage, let's just pray. 
Uh, Father, your word says the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall endure forever. And Father, we invite you. Would you come and minister to us this morning from your word? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Nehemiah, uh, chapter 6, we're going to pick it up right there in verse 1. It says, when the word came to send Ballot uh, to buy, uh, by the way, I think we've heard of these guys before. You remember in the earlier chapters, these are the ones who came along and were kind of mocking the people for even trying to attempt to rebuild the walls. Uh, they're like, uh, they also wanted to go to war with them to try to prevent them <laughs> from a rebuilding the walls. And they're poking fun at them. Like, you really think you have the ability to do that kind of work? Like, that caliber of work? I, I don't think so. Who do you think you are? Do you think that you're able to make a difference with your life by rebuilding those broken walls? You've been like this for years. What makes you think that you can be any difference? In fact, one guy says, if my dog jumps over that wall, it would fall over. You're no builders at all. And so here we, they're back again. Haters Continue to hate. The only difference is their words are going to change. What we're going to have here is a, a smooth talking send ballad. We're going to have a tender talking Tobiah. We're going to have a, a gushy uh, Geshem. So let's uh, continue reading. It says, When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, Though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Gisham sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messages, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and, not, and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me, to the, they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same message answer. The task of rebuilding the wall is so close to being finished, and, and it seems as though the enemy is getting nervous, so they're going to offer some distractions, and they're going to invite them, hey, come on out to the plain of Ono. Now, Ono is about 20 miles outside of the city. It's kind of a lush area. It's, a, it's an, an oasis, a retreat, kind of for a the wealthy, it's fertile land with, with trees and water. And they say, come on, Nehemiah. Uh, we know that we've been rough on you. Uh, so let's just clear the air. Let's bury the hatchet. You won. So why don't you just come on out and, and relax. Take a day off. In my mind, I'm thinking, it's a great opportunity to get out from underneath all the rubble of the city. Come in and just enjoy yourself. I mean, he could have spent some time with some political influencers. I mean, this could be another opportunity to put another feather in his cap. I mean, this may give him a little more clout to be in a meeting like this. They're, they're simply saying, come on and, and join us at this political summit. And four times they offer him an all-expense-paid vacation to Ono Resort and Spa. And you know what his response is? He said, oh, no, to oh, no. I think that's always a good response when you've been invited to a place called uh, oh, no. 
It's good to say no sometimes. Now, notice the timing of the invitation to come to the retreat. The walls are, are finished. The gates are almost ready to be hung. It's the perfect time for Nehemiah to feel somewhat confident that the project is going to be done. An invitation is sent out four times. And Nehemiah says no, 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 and no. Okay, that didn't work, so we've got to come up with a, a new tactic. You know what they're going to get ready to do? They're going to get ready to create a scandal. They sent a letter to Nehemiah, and it's like a bombshell, a rumor that could potentially destroy everything that Nehemiah has worked for. His credibility is on the line. In fact, let's just continue reading there. Verse 5. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aide to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written. It's reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore that's why you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make the proclamation that you are in Jerusalem, that there is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us confer together. <laughs> Anytime a sentence begins with, Psst, have you heard? <laughs> You'll always get the attention of the listener. What they're saying is, hey, I've heard a rumor. There's a rumor floating around. I can't verify it, but my sources say it's true. And I think once you hear the rumor, you'll know it's true. You see what's about ready to take place? A smear campaign. You see that all the time. It's nothing new. For, uh, for some reason, it always seems to be highlighted in, in the political world. You know, same old tactics that have been used for centuries. Ecclesiastes says, yeah, there's nothing new under the sun. Rumors, you know, back pew talking, gossip sharing, and nothing new. But they come and they say, hey, I hear a rumor about you. Four times Nehemiah says no. The fifth time they come again. I think they're thinking that maybe let's just keep the pressure on Nehemiah. Eventually he will cave in because you can only take so much and they go, hey, we've heard a report. Nehemiah's response is, where did you hear that from? Uh, well, we can't reveal our sources. And they're accusing Nehemiah with treason. The so-called story that's out on the street is that you are planning on rebelling and making yourself king, Nehemiah. In fact, we've even heard you've hired people already that when the gates are hung, they're going to proclaim that you're the king. Of Judah. I mean, these guys are relentless. And they're saying, hey, we're going to make a report to the king as to what you were up to. Now, I, I like the response that Nehemiah gives. He says, I replied, there is no truth to any part of your story. You're making the whole thing up. <laughs> he goes on to say, they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and, and stop the work. So I continue to the work with even greater determination. 
Nehemiah doesn't get discouraged. He gets more determined with this new attack. Nehemiah says, I'm doing a great work, and, and I cannot come down. I, I have a job to do. I can't be distracted. I, I got to get this job done. And he slams the door on distractions. Nehemiah says, this is a bunch of lies, and you know it, and there is no source reporting this to you. Let's continue to read. Verse 9, they're all trying to, of course, frighten us. Their hand will get too weak for the work, and it will not be completed. Look what it says at the end. But I prayed. Now strengthen my hands. I love that. A great example of what to do when schemers come your way. It's a great thing to do when temptation is knocking at your door. To be able to stay focused, to, to say no to diversion, and yes to determination. See, the opposition is always going to be relentless. Every time you step out in faith to do what God has asked you and called you to do, man, the opposition will not let up on you. And as we're reading through this, Nehemiah obviously has some discernment, which we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Trusting God doesn't mean we check our brains at the door. No. And Nehemiah has some discernment, and he understands that they're up to no good. He understands they want to harm him, maybe kill him, I don't know, maybe uh, kidnap him. So he says, oh, no, to oh, no. And Nehemiah sends a messenger back. I, I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. I cannot be distracted to what I have been called to do. Why should the work stop? Why should I leave and come down to you? He's focused. He's determined to finish the task. Notice what Nehemiah does. He denies the accusation, and he prays. Strengthen my head. Strengthen my resolve. Strengthen me. Notice that when he prays, he doesn't say, Oh, Lord, I pray that those guys would fall off their camels and break their necks. I pray that you would move them out of the area. He doesn't pray that his circumstances will change. He just prays that, God, would you strengthen me? Strengthen my hand to keep up the task that you've called me to do. For the last number of weeks, we have said that you will always face opposition when you are called to step out in faith and do what you believe God has called you to do. That's part of life. Remember in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus himself said, there will be people who will come along and throw all kinds of accusations against you. Right? So we shouldn't be surprised. In a sense, we should expect it. And so Nehemiah asked for strength in the heat of the battle. And let me remind you, we can always ask for strength from God. In Ephesians, it tells us to put on the whole armor of God. And one of the pieces of the armor is the helmet of salvation. It's to protect our heads, to protect our minds. Because if we do not protect our minds, it can take us to some very dark places. And our enemy would love to paralyze us with fear and doubt. And so it's a piece of armor that is absolutely essential for us to be able to continue to think biblically. Now here's one thing that I've kind of noticed. That when you start moving forward, 
Especially, you know, you've stepped out in faith, and maybe it's a, to start a nonprofit organization, because you really feel God has called you to do that. And you step out in faith, and you start seeing success, like Nehemiah obviously was seeing success as the walls are going up and the city's being rebuilt and broken lives are being healed. So he begins to see success. It's at those moments they also enter really the danger zone. You say, the danger zone, what does that mean? It's easy to fall into this mindset of entitlement. Look what I've done. Look what I have created with my own hands. Sometimes you'll see that in church life. You know, maybe some pastor gets, look what we have been able to do. Look how big we've grown. We're debt-free. The money is flowing in. And feel maybe moments of entitlement. Or, hey, we got the biggest happening children's ministry going. We got the most active youth ministry happening. And all of a sudden, you get these feelings of entitlement. It's a dangerous spot to be in. And Nehemiah really does a great job to avoid that. And you see that kind of in the, in the next attack that they come. And so Nehemiah is talking to somebody who's living inside the gate, who we discover actually has been hired by Sam Ballot, who lives outside the gate. And he comes to the Nehemiah, listen, you have enemies out there. Let's, uh, I think what we need to do, we need to go to the temple. We need to hide in the temple, and we need to lock the doors so you can be safe tonight. And in verse 11, Nehemiah says, so should someone in my position run to the temple and lock themselves in there? No. I will not do it. I realize sometimes it can be hard to say no, especially when you feel a little entitled. And so Nehemiah says that they were hoping to intimidate me. And he says, I am not going to hide, hide out. Uh, this is not about me. When we started building the wall, it was not about me. It was about the wall. I never came to make a name for myself. I came to do the job that God had asked me to step out to do. And in chapter 2, it says that Nehemiah began a good work. But here in chapter 6, I love this. It's uh, verse 3. He says, I am doing a great work. Uh, this isn't just a good work. Th this is a great work. Uh, this is something that God has created for me to do at this time, for such a time as this. He's asked me to step out in faith. I'm asking, or kind of wondering maybe, what has God asked you at this time, in this season of your life, to, to step out? That it's not just a good work, but that it's a great work that God has called you to do. And why should we come off the wall? Nehemiah says, I, I got a great work to do. Listen, this is a great work, Nehemiah says. I can't shake it off. I cannot come down. And I always believe that Whatever God has called you to do, he will equip you as well. One of the things that really stood out to me in this story, there was no supernatural uh, intervention. These are ordinary people that God used to do extraordinary things. 52 days, and the walls were finished. 52 days, and the job was done. And I also want you to remember that when they were building the walls, because they were all, the enemy was always able to attack at any time, one hand carried a spear, one hand had the bricks and the stones. And in 52 days, the walls were built. 
There's no talking donkeys. There's no fire from heaven, no water from a rock, no ninja warriors, no 15-foot-high angels lifting the big stones, putting them in place. No. Just an ordinary guy who's broken over what broke God's heart. And all through this story, Nehemiah seeks God in the good days and in the hard days. In verse 16, I love it what he says here. This work has been done with the help of God. See, God was at the beginning of the project. God was in um, the middle of the project. God was there when they were having success. God was there when they were having some setbacks. God was there when the job was done. This is a great work that God has called me to do, and I am not going to be distracted with lesser things. I want to encourage you today that if God has called you to step out to do a great work, don't get distracted with the lesser things. Slam the door of distraction. That is my prayer for all of us. That we wouldn't get sucked into the distractions. Sometimes it's hard because distractions are good things, but they're of lesser value because you've been called to a great thing. An ordinary guy God used to do extraordinary things. All of us, ordinary people. But I really believe God's calling us to do some extraordinary things with the help of our God. Thanks for listening. And consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's nobody